My agent called, he said he got some interest in my script I'm glad I didn't tell him that I never finished it I got my cast of characters and outline for the plot I even got a famous classic case of writer's block Get it out of my head 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 Get it out of your head And onto the page Get it out of your head And onto the page Get it out of your head And onto the page Get it out of your head And onto the page Welcome to On the Page. This is the podcast that answers all of your questions about the craft and business of screenwriting. My name is Pilar Alessandra, and I'm the instructor and script consultant here at On the Page. Joining me as podcast producer on Mother's Day is my husband, Pat Francis. Hello, Pat. Hello, Pilar. Happy Mother's Day. Thank you. Thank you for a great Mother's Day, well, by the way. there's no better way to celebrate being a parent than to leave your children at home. Right. And come so and that podcast. you can come podcast. Yes. Exactly. Yes. Exactly. Well, you know, they've got to get used to this. You had a good day. I think we had a good day. Yeah. I think we pulled it off this year. Absolutely. Yeah. I got, I got uh, black cherry gummy bears. Mm-hmm. I got Swedish fish. Yep. I got incredible pictures of the girls. Yes. And then I was taken on an excursion to Sunset Junction in Silver Lake because I like excursions where I can walk around and go into stores and stuff like that. And everybody was very patient with me about it. Did you get to sleep in? And I got to sleep until 10 a.m., baby. Did you have breakfast at all? Oh, was there any yeah. Breakfast I had involved? some fancy breakfast outside. Outside? With... No, wait a minute. You ate outside? Yes, I ate outside with linen. <laughs> all right. That's true. There was, there was a tablecloth and linen uh, napkins. Yes. And we should all have a Mother's Day like this. Thank you very yes. much, Pat. Who made that food? Oh, jeez. I'm okay. going to just introduce our guest. We have Irene Turner. Hello, Irene. Pilar. Oh, Irene Turner, who is, I, I don't know, I've invited her to this this party like five years later than I should have. But I'm, I think actually it's kind of ex- an exciting time because of the new movie coming up. Let me tell you a little bit about Irene. She is a professional screenwriter. She co-wrote the gritty drama An American Crime starring Katherine Keener and Ellen Page that premiered at the Sundance Film Festival and received Golden Globe, Emmy, and Writers Guild Award nominations. Oh, my God. She also directed and produced the feature film The Girl's Room, which was called a terrific discovery by the the L.A. Times, and played 34 festivals in six countries and won eight prizes before premiering on Showtime. And her next project, and that's what's coming up, is The Most Hated Woman in America, starring Melissa Leo. Um, it also stars Peter Fonda, Adam Scott, and is it true that it's produced by Elizabeth Banks? Yes, it oh. is. And her husband, Max Handelman, they have a production company. And it's it's going to be on Netflix in 2017. Yes, we're going to uh, hopefully do festivals before uh, we're still editing, so we don't know what the future plans are, but we'll get there. So. I have such a, I have such a girl crush on Elizabeth Banks. You know, I think everybody does because... She's both a dramatic, comedic actress who's smart. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She's really smart. And she and her husband uh, are, are doing really interesting things producing. That's, that's cool. How did... Well, let's start backwards. Let's start with this project, Irene. This, tell us what it's about because, man, when I was looking up the subject matter, oh my God, and then also how it was discovered and how you came to write it. Madeline Murray O'Hare was 
once upon a time, an incredibly famous, strong-willed atheist uh, who did all the talk shows, who was really prominent, who had an organization. Uh, she uh, Back uh, in the day, she was one of the people who sued to get enforced prayer out of public schools. Mm-hmm. Um, and she was dynamic and um, and also impossible to live with. And our story is looking at both her life and her death. Uh, she, in Late in life, she was kidnapped by her office manager. She was so impossible to work with. She sometimes hired convicted felons to work with her. And, uh, and uh, the Austin police refused to look for her because, quote, it's not against the law to be missing in Texas. No, really? Yes. <laughs> And what year was this again? Uh, this happened in 1995, um, and it took a it uh, it took a reporter. Uh, who, we don't focus a lot on the reporter story, although uh, John McCormick was an incredibly talented uh, reporter for the San Antonio Express News, uh, who managed to over a five year period essentially find her murderer for the authorities and get the IRS and the FBI, the IRS got the FBI involved and uh, people went to jail for it, but it wouldn't have without the police. Is, so. is that law still in existence? It's, it's, well, it's, it was just, you know, she was a very famous atheist in a, in a state that didn't really believe in atheists. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, obviously not all the Austin cops are like that, but at the time it was, they just, they just thought, well, you know, Madeline was so bombastic and she also, she was afraid of, of, of things and she'd sent some money to some offshore accounts and they used that as an excuse to say, well, she just left with money. Hmm. So, so the way that you frame a story like that, there's so many different ways to go. I would imagine that you could do biopic where you're talking about, you know, how did she, what triggered her to become outspoken about atheism, which then led to this, this event. Or I imagine that you could also just structure it completely around this event um, where, where she's missing and then we have to find out why people aren't pursuing it and then eventually find her. Um, tell me a little bit about how, how you approach the story. I mean, two things that interested us one, here's this incredible dynamic woman who becomes estranged uh, from her, her, the son who she sued, you know, who was forced to say the Lord's Prayer every morning before starting school, ended up becoming a, a conservative, evangelical, Republican, uh, and uh, preacher, essentially, a lay preacher. And, uh, and there was this, um, you know, so there's this dy- dynamic of, things I really strongly believe in in the separation of church and state and someone that just couldn't get help getting in her own way. Mm-hmm. And it's the combination of this dynamic of the backstory in the biopic, but also how do, how do atheists face death? An atheist gets kidnapped and is held for 30 days. 30 days, my God. 30 days. Um, you know, what's, what's that dynamic? Like here, a strong person who's used to being in charge who's used to being in control of every situation. What happens when you lose control? What happens when you know what's coming and you believe there's nothing after that? Uh, So we were interested in both things. And if the film works, Mm -hmm. which I think it does, but, you know, I haven't seen the final cut yet. But, you know, but I am really proud of, you know, what we, Tommy O'Haver and I did, uh, we wrote it together on the script, is just to explore that dichotomy, both things, what got her where she is to this point, 
and also where she is at the end of at the end of her life. So, how do you take because this is a big challenge for a lot of writers? How do you take somebody who is the most hated woman, not necessarily just unlikable, the most hated woman, and and make her empathetic? You know, part of the thing is is I don't think you try, mm-hmm. I, but I also think that uh, everyone has a story and a human side, and if you show the human choices that she's making and the and the what happens as a result of those choices we don't have to necess i mean i like her even though i don't it's 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 mother's day so let's just say i'm glad she wasn't my mother <laughs> <laughs> but i you know i admire respect and the hell the heck out of her oh no hell is okay, <laughs> okay. we just can't do the f all right yeah all right. yeah um but uh at this, you know, at the same time, you just you. It's if you understand people's choices, then we're interested in their ride. Mm-hmm. You have to you have to care about why they're doing what they're doing and what they're doing. You don't always have to. It's it's a mis. You know, it, it's it's not true that you have to like characters. And screenwriters who try and make their characters likable often make them soft, and they don't make difficult choices, and they make they don't make them interesting. The point is, is we have to. We have to care that that person wants what they want, you know, want and their journey. And so, so in order to show what motivates them, I would imagine you have to show the event that triggered their motivation. Like this is yeah. what happened that now motivates them to do this thing. Absolutely, it, you know, and and seeing the journey, I mean, you. It, you don't have to end up liking someone, but hopefully, you, in her case, you end up respecting her and understanding understand why she did what she did. Now you've you've written about crime before. Yes. Um, do you like writing about crime, or do you like writing the? I mean, do you have like favorite parts when you're writing in this genre? I do like writing about t- crime. I like true crime. I'm fascinated with it. Um, because I, I just, it's, it's, it, part of it is, it's like this big puzzle. Uh, how, why did this person do this? It's, it, it's always the eternal question, why? And you never can really answer that. But what you're trying with the screenplay is, is why, why, why? How did this happen? Why, why, why? And um, also, just as a writer, I like getting buried in research and not actually writing. So if you're doing a true story, then you get to spend all your time reading books and then pretend that you're going to start writing. And so that's the procrastination part. But uh, So, so um, uh, were you the person that found this story? No, actually, you know, Elizabeth Banks and uh, Max Handelman uh, found the story and uh they originally brought it to us. We, you know, we had some success with an American crime and it kind of, it, it's a long story. This project, it, we won't go through all of it because it's been in process since 2009. Wow. So it's been a minute. Um, but they brought it in uh, to us and it's been through various incarnations and we were lucky enough that Netflix came along because Netflix is the perfect space for this kind of film, you know, it's, it's not, um, a mass market. Uh, you know, we, my uh, husband and I, uh, uh, just saw, um, uh, uh, Captain America, you know, civil war yesterday. And, and that's a, you know, a, a big, that needs to be a mass market film. This doesn't need to be a mass market film, 
but it's the sort of thing that Netflix wants to be noticed for. You and don't think they're going to compare this to Captain America? I would love them to because I did enjoy seeing the film with uh, with my husband yesterday. But uh, uh, but uh, it's a totally different thing. <laughs> and so, but finding a niche market in a, in a Netflix where they're willing to produce this, they gave us total creative control. Uh, you know, Tommy. You know, you know, we we would have loved. I mean, boy, the the film we would have done with the budget of Captain America: Civil War. But. Very nice. Were you uh, were you on set uh, during the filming? I was some, but mm-hmm. as I'm sure you know, when you're the writer and you're, the other writer is the director, okay. um, you you don't have an active role to play in the mm-hmm. sense that you know you're not like. They're trying to protect the script because the director's trying to protect the script. Mm-hmm. So it's, uh, I just went for my own, you know, I just, yeah, just my own fun. enjoyment. I mean, it's fun to watch Melissa Leo work. It's fun to watch Adam Scott bring something to a journalist role that you were a little bit worried that was underwritten, and all of a sudden he's playing it. And you're like, wow, that's, that's much better than I thought it <laughs> was. Cool. So thank you, Adam Scott. <laughs> Did Melissa Leo, uh, did she change any of the lines? Did she uh, Did she have any input with the script? Yeah, she did a, a little bit. I mean, a lot of it's coming directly from research. So there's not a, you know, it's it's not the kind of film that's heavily improv or anything like that. But there are things that she felt like, all, all actors, and I found that when I was directing, all actors bring us, you know, there are things that they're good at saying and things that, you know, they're just roll off the tongue easier and you gotta incorporate what the actors you know good at or what you know just what's coming with them and if you don't work with them and you're you're kind of trying to tamp down that you're in trouble so no i was i I saw like a little youtube interview or an interview i should say that was on YouTube with Catherine Keener um about an american crime and what was so interesting about it was she seemed so uncomfortable with the subject matter. And then the director, who was your co-writer as well, the same director? Yep, she, Tommy okay. Haver, yeah, so friend he, from film school. He was also like, yeah, I didn't, I, I, I'm fascinated by it, but I, I didn't, I'm uncomfortable with it. Like, it was just, again, like this really uncomfortable f- subject matter in terms of being about what this woman did, um, which was uh, allow for the torture and, and killing of a girl in her care. Right. Yeah. I mean, the, the thing is, is, um, yes, it was very uncomfortable. Tommy had actually grown up in Indianapolis and was in high school when Gertrude Banaszewski, who's the role that Catherine played, uh, uh, when she was paroled. And so that's how he knew of the story. And in 1965, it was, Uh, a very famous, it was one of the first really well-known cases of of child abuse that made national headlines, made Time Magazine. And it's a horrible, horrible case. Um, And Tommy had actually started writing it on his own, and he called me because he was uncomfortable being alone in a room with the material. Isn't that so... Yeah, it was... That's got to be so powerful, where even what you're writing or you're involved in is kind of freaking you out at the same time. And and I don't think everybody has to see every film, if you will. My my father doesn't... Has never seen an American crime, and I don't think ever will, because it's just... it's. But I do think that sometimes you have to write about the things that scare you. And I have a tendency to do that. I have a tendency... If if I say, oh, I don't want to do that, 
like in some strong, like, oh yeah, I'm never going to do something like that. Then I find myself six months later diving into that. But you have to, if it's that scary, somebody needs to write about it and somebody needs to explore it. And we were lucky that, that Catherine and Ellen, um, who's playing the abuse victim, were willing to kind of go there for the shoot. And, so. and yeah. again, you're getting behind the eyes of somebody mm-hmm. who is not likable. Yeah. I mean, how can you take this woman who does this horrible thing and show her reasons for it? And but you have to if this if she's the lead, right? And she is the lead in this. She she is, but Ellen is also and mm-hmm. um and and so are the the uh, you know, her other children. I mean, that what we're exploring is is how easy it is and uh for kind of societal mores to to you know to to break down you know the, the whole the whole film happens from her being taken in as a boarder to you know her death happens in about 3 4 months you know it's uh it, it, you know and it wasn't and it, you know it was a bad situation but just how the the you know the tacit approval of a parental authority can allow children you know, to feel like they can go as far as they want. And, and not all, you know, you can't just say that all of these kids were, well, they all had other problems coming in. It's not true. You know, it was just a, this kind of, you know, scapegoat situation where Sylvia Likens became the scapegoat that, that was everything that was wrong and difficult in the Banaszewski family. I mean, there's stuff that we had to leave out. Gertrude, was, had, her ex-husband was a cop. Mm-hmm. We had to leave that out of the story because we be- we thought no one will ever believe us yeah. that 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 her kid's father was coming to vi- the cop was coming to visit and didn't do anything. But people, the the system failed. The system failed Sylvia Likens and her sister who was there. But wow. I'm not watching that movie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I was. Uh, it, we even, even, but I, I admire you yeah. know getting behind disturbing material mm-hmm. and deciding to commit to it. And saying, we, this really happened, there's a story that needs to be told. I've seen, you know, I've watched dark movies before, but like this past um, Oscar season, we started to watch Room, and literally like eight minutes in, I'm like, I'm not watching this. Do you know I'm I have... not uh, in the mood to watch this. Pat, I totally get it, because I have not watched Room, and it's partly for that reason. I thought, I wrote that, I don't need to see it. Yeah. You know, like I, like yeah. I've, I've, I've spent a lot of time with that, I don't need to see this right now, yeah. but I'm glad that somebody else did. So. Yeah, I just wasn't in the mindset for whatever reason. It was the holidays when we get screeners mm-hmm. and stuff, and I was just like, I'm not watching it this. It gets better, watch a movie. Yeah. It's good. You know, so... Wide spectrum. But that is interesting what you said, like, okay, I wrote this. I'm not going to watch this now for fun. So, so is like, I know your husband, so I know Captain America Mm. is there for you, whether you want it or not. But is it also something, do you like like big commercial popcorn movies as a respite? from the stuff that you tend to be writing or involved in? I do because it doesn't feel like work. Yeah. Sometimes, you know, going to the art house feels a little bit like work. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm, well, I just have to go watch the, the movie that's good for me as opposed to let's go watch, you know, let's go watch the fun things. Let's go watch Cap and Iron Man go at it. You know, like it, that's, that's another kind of fun. I think there's, I mean, this is not profound. There's room for everything, but it does get me out of it. Gets me out of my very kind of cerebral, try too hard head to go see fun things. When, and when, I write fun things too. It's just less often. So when you're watching the type, uh, when you are watching the, the, a type of a movie that you might write, 
do you sit there and, and think like, oh, why didn't they do this? Or I would have done this. Do you, oh, what, all you, the you, time. <laughs> it's like, it's, it's a disease it's in the industry. Yeah. Oh, it's a disease. I mean, fortunately, I don't do the thing where I, when I was right out of film school and I just had editing and sound classes, I'd watch, if the sound was a frame out of sync, I'd notice it. I don't do that anymore. But it, the rest of it, yeah, absolutely. Can't help it. By the way, a little aside. So Irene went to film school with a friend of mine, Josh Stolberg, who's been on the show like three times. He's been on my podcast too. Irene was also a a student in my class without knowing, without us knowing that we knew Josh Stolberg together. Right. And then Irene went and married this good dude, Drew, who I've known for a hundred years. Right. Right. Drew. Yeah. He's here. It was a hundred years. Yeah. So I was like, I I don't know. Somehow we're blood sisters. Irene. There's there's this. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Happy to have found Drew late, very late in life. (laughs) Going to keep him. That's a love story. Like every time the two of you guys, talk about how you met and stuff like that you always describe it like it's like it's a movie like i can hear the score are you uh, are you putting drew in any of the movies that you You write? know if i was any good at romantic comedy which i am absolutely not i would but i am terrible and it would be awful and it would make our actual meat meat story look like really stupid because the dialogue would be like oh oh my god suddenly it would be like irene and drew meet but they've been turned into serial killers somehow you know, they, my, they meet on the job yeah exactly my my idea of hell was is like okay now write a romantic comedy and <laughs> we'll pay you for it but you have to do it i'd be like no i can't it's it's not that i don't think they should exist it's i don't know how to do that <laughs> now how um did did Girls Room come before American Crime, or yes. So that was your first movie. That was your first big. Well, I had um, I had uh, produced Billy's Hollywood Screen Kiss, which oh. was written and directed by Tommy O'Haver, who eventually became my writing partner for a long time. And uh, I, you know, I'd come out of film school, and I was I had was lucky enough to find a script by one uh, by the name of Amanda Beale, uh, who's amazing and it was about girls in college and at the time i i thought well why aren't people making films about girls in college and this was this just this great wonderful script and we found the money and i had really wanted to, i had started out coming out of school wanting to direct and uh i worked with her as a director she was she's a huge inspiration for me in terms of what i became later as a writer Pilar, i'm telling you um I interviewed with an agent after uh, doing the girls' room, uh-huh. and I said, "I don't want to write. I am not a writer. Just like fire me if I ever become a writer." And then I ended up being a writer. <laughs> so it was again. It was one of those things where I said, "Oh, well, I'm not doing that." And then all of a sudden, I realized now that's actually what I love even more than directing. But working with Amanda Beale kind of showed me how to. Like how I wanted to be worked with was with as a writer and how she worked and how she responded to notes and how she if I gave her a note, she would kind of fight it for a second, then come up with a better idea, top my note and say, no, let's do it this way. And I go, yeah, you're right. That's even better than what I wanted. So let's do that. So, but, but she was probably understanding the intention of the note to begin uh, with, Absolutely. Right? She, she, was, was, she, she was hitting that. She was doing a really smart thing that, that good, I don't always do this, but good writers do, which is under, take the intention, not the actual note word for word, but say, oh, I get it. There's a problem here. That's what you're trying to dig at. Let's solve it this way, not that way. So, 
And so then you find yourself, oh, I'm a writer. I'm, yeah. I'm yeah. a writer. Okay. Yeah. Just started writing a novel and then realized, oh, wait, I'm a writer. Uh, and that sort of energized my sense of self as a writer, which sort of led Tommy, who was an old friend who I'd produced for and I'd known since the beginning of my first semester in film school, to say, oh, we should write this, you know, who was having trouble getting into this dark, dark project uh, that is an American crime, to say, hey, let's write this together. So, And when you did, you wrote that, I assume that that wasn't like all the studios were like, yes, let us fund this, right? So this, this became an independent project. It did. That, but that happened bizarrely fast. Um, we wrote it, and uh, we were lucky enough, uh, Tommy got us hooked up with, uh, with Killer Films, with Christine uh, Vachon and Pam Koffler and uh, Jocelyn at the time, Jocelyn Hayes, uh, Simpson and uh, oh, I'm I'm I've lost a name. That's okay because okay. we wouldn't know. I, I'm, gonna, right. I'm going to. I'm going to be very. People very can sad. IMDb all. I, I'm going to be very sad in, in when I get home. But it's uh, not an awards show. It's no. okay. I know they're not listening. But uh, but they are known, you know, for working with people like Todd Haynes and and and. And a, a whole raft of other people, but they're known for difficult dark films. Mm-hmm. And so, if you are looking to get a difficult dark independent film produced, you go to Killer Films. And once they said, "Well, we'll produce it," then they had relationships with uh, actresses all over town. Ta- you know, you know, they had the talent relationships to be able to go to Katherine Keener and say, "Hey." read this. We don't have the money yet, but read this. And that, you know, and so that, that was the thing that started the, you know, and it happened really quickly. We started writing it. Oh, it was, it was written in, in, in production within a year, which doesn't happen. And don't ever think that really happens, but this did. So, so, so let's, let's jump to the craft side of this. Okay. Cause you got a lot of people listening and they want to know, how do you do what you do so well that your movies are made and, and award nominated? So, um, so let's talk about your process. Like what's the first thing that you do when you're faced with this idea for a story? Do, do you start with an outline? How do you, how do you, work you know, it all out? Uh, it depends on if it's, um, I mean, I, it depends if, if it's, if it's, uh, you know, based on uh, a true story or if it's an idea out of my head. Uh, but, uh, you know, a lot of brainstorming, but yes, absolutely. I'm an outline person. If I don't have an outline things, uh, just imagine my hand waving all over the place and this squiggly line that goes all over and gets nowhere. I have to break it, break it into chunks. I have to take, like take things into manageable bite-sized pieces. Um, if it's a true story, it's just read too many books, research for too long, (laughs) I'm not even kidding. I'm doing that right now. I've got an, a project that I'm working on as a spec, and I'm drowning in thirty book. Thirty. My husband could tell you thirty books by the bedside, but but just find what's find what's interesting. You know, just essentially the the first step is just pile up the interesting details, or or in the case of a non true story, it's just something totally out of my head. You know, pile up all the interesting thoughts and see see kind of where that leads and push it into. You know, not a beat by beat outline, 
but like, like enough where that I have an idea where things are going, where I kind of have the beginning. I usually have the beginning. I usually know where the end is and some kind of, some, some kind of middle thing that's going to happen. And hopefully you have some things that go back and forth along the way. Well, that's cool. I mean, but I think that knowing, knowing the beginning and the end is so important when you have so many different choices of beginning and endings, especially with biographical material or true yeah. life material, you could start from so many different points. Do you ever do that in your research pro- process where you're like, wait a minute, I could start here, but I could start there? Or do you just have this, always this first scene in your head? You know, it's it, it depends, but I often know kind of where I want to start. Uh, yeah, you know, when we were uh, when I was writing with Tommy and we uh, most hated woman in America. Actually, the first scene is uh, exactly the same, mm-hmm. but then it cuts to a total different thing. You know, we had one scene cut. You know, uh, you know, but it, it, then it goes a totally different direction. But the kind of general shape of it is pretty close to our original outline. Uh, you know, all the kind of details have changed, but the kind of the general idea of it is the same. Uh, it, you correct me if I'm wrong. It seems like if when you're writing about a true life event that after the fact, a lot of things have already been documented for you. So are you just like, you know what I mean? Are you just like filling in the blanks between those specific things to get from the beginning to the end? Well, it's more like it's it, it tend, for me, me, it's, it's, less like filling in the blanks and more like chopping off all the extraneous stuff. It's okay. finding, you know, it's polishing, it's taking the gemstone and finding the good, you know, finding the details, uh, uh, because an uh, American crime, it, it, people don't realize except for one section, which I won't talk about if people haven't seen the movie, but it's, if they, when they see the movie, it'll be obvious. It, uh, that film is like, 80% actual dialogue from the court transcript. And we had to do that for legal reasons because we didn't have life rights on people and for the, for the people who are still alive. Uh, and so it's just a question of finding what's important, mm-hmm. you know, what resonates, what, what says what we think that the film needs to say in a way that's, that's useful. But I bizarrely, I, I, I my actual original dialogue for that film is so, so small because it was really just, but it was culling, but the, the process of digging for that is, can be really, it's, it's still really difficult. It's not any more, it's not any easier than a completely original idea. And I wasn't, uh, no, I know. I didn't mean that it was, Oh, that sounds like it's easy because it's all written for you. No, you didn't, you didn't say that, but I've heard that before. I'm sure you have, you know, it's like, and that's when you punch someone. Not in my world. But then you've got, um, you know, like you said, with, with, um, the most hated woman in America, you've got this idea of what was she thinking or feeling in these 30 days when she was held captive. Now, there's no transcripts on that, right? So now you have to get inside of the head of somebody and and think of the dialogue or the actions that she would do. Um, uh, So how do you get there in your writing process? Let's say, you know, you've gotten up to this point. Um, how it's, 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 it's kind of a, a, a tough question, I guess. You know, you're inside inside of her brain. Well, I come out of a theater background, and it's always what does she want? What does she want? What is she doing right here? You know, you have kind of a general progression of what happened in that room. We do know a lot of things 
that happened externally because they, um, but you kind of imagine, you know, how did, how did it get from A to B to, to C, but you know what, in any particular scene, what is she trying to do? What does she want? And it's, it's, it kind of, it goes back a lot to objectives and acting for people who, you know, kind of studied that is I do think it's a really helpful process, you know, when you're kind of stuck in a scene, you know, when it's all just flat and horrible and you're thinking, Oh my God, I'm never going to get hired again for anything. <laughs> and I'm like, Ooh, it's, it's go back. And then, you know, when you're writing with a partner, um, you pass off the scene to them and you make them think it works. There you go. So, yeah. And then, but you, they do the same to you. And so you're stuck. I have a, another question about the, the type of material that you write. When you close the laptop, how do you then go home and not feel angry or mad or sad or depressed? How do you go home? She, to- she watches Captain America. Oh, okay. Sometimes you do. Mm-hmm. And then sometimes you go home and watch, you know, The Flash and Gotham and, you know, but you, it, it's, um. Because I think that would be hard to, like, just put it away and now I'm going to go home. Uh, you know, Tom, when Tommy and I were writing in American Crime, uh, we, we have really dark, sensitive humor. And oh, I will, I, will okay. re, I will repeat none of that right. because it will make us look like terrible human beings. But uh, at, in, the, in, in the moment, it's just, just to get through it you just make stupid jokes and, but you kind of, you have to distance yourself. You can't be a method writer in that sense because it, I think it will destroy you. That was a good way to put it. You can't be a method writer. I like that. I also like uh, what you said about um, going back to that sort of 30 days that you went, it seems like you also went back to theme. You know, if we start with somebody who's known for being an atheist and then she's facing her own death, right? So based on what would she say, what would she feel? What would she think? that you drew from what did she rail against or what did she claim not to and have that conflict there, which I'm sure wasn't discussed, but you know, yeah. it, to, to come back to that as, as a direct direction must've been, was that something that you just sort of like naturally went to, or was that something that being in a collaboration with Tommy, you guys both had an aha moment about? Well, it was more kind of, it's, it's sort of an amorphous process and, you know, this is a process that's gone on a long time. Um, but you know, for me, theme is something that's both really useful, absolutely necessary, and you can't start with it from page one. Thank you. Thank you. I'm so glad you said that. Okay, keep going. I learned something from Pilar. <laughs> Yay! No, I just you know it's nice to you know you, you're you're so successful, and I um, sometimes people when they only start on page one, it's like they're going to disappoint themselves because their story goes in different directions, right? Yeah, you have to you have to no matter what you want it to be about, you have to be inside the heads of people and writing and stuff, and then you can use theme to see what's missing, mm-hmm. what's you know you know, what am I not showing that I want to or things like that and find a scene that reflects, you know, the kind of the values or the theme or, you know, you can, you can use it as an organizing principle later. But if you're, if you're trying to write a movie about something, my opinion, it's hard. It sure is. So do you and Tommy keep yourself on track as far as deadlines go and things like that? Uh, you know, we're, we're not writing together at the moment, and, and especially because he's in the editing room and he's got plenty of deadlines. But we, we, used, to not, we used to be pretty good at deadlines because with the two of us, he, is always, uh, he has always been, uh, for as long as I've known him, which has been a long time now, uh, you know, very process, you know, very, like he just wants to get things done. And I'm the one who wants to sit over, you know, the scene, the scene header 
and like tweak the words to make the most beautiful, most literary scene description in the history of the known universe. And he just wants to blow through, not introduce the characters and just get it written. Mm -hmm. And when we were writing together, it was a really good synergy because we just, the yin and yang, I would slow him down and he would speed me. He would make me three times. I mean, we wrote the first draft of an American crime in three and a half days. And I can't, I wouldn't have, I would have said that's not possible, but we did. And a lot of that made it into the film, but we also had a very, very detailed outline. So, and, uh, and now when you're writing by yourself, do you like give yourself like, I'm going to get this written by a certain time? I or? do. And then I fail and then I beat myself <laughs> up and then, you know, my husband takes me out to dinner and then that's Aww. good. So thank you, Drew. But, uh, <laughs> I'm telling you, every time they talk about each other, it's, there's like doves that just, just, they're just flying around her head right now. I know. I see them. It's adorable. See them. For those of you out in podcast land, I've been married three years. Yeah. So it's a long time coming. <laughs> I just want to add that Sylvester Stallone wrote Cobra in 17 hours. There you go. So that's, uh, look, it can be done. That's, that's good movies can happen the quickly. Good <laughs> I mean, is it, is this an easier, is, oh, I don't know, easier is a, a weird word, but. When you were first starting to write, and considering the subject matter that you take on, and the fact that you you like female characters, I would imagine it the subject matter and having a woman in the lead was people were less receptive to it than they are now. Does it feel like we've broken through a little bit? That there's a like there's more of a sort of a embracing of the kind of subject that you like to write and the women you like to write. I think so. I think so. I think the uh, the streaming services, you know, Amazon, and of course, I'm very, very fond of Netflix at the we moment. We love us some Netflix. Yeah, we do. We, sure. We do. I, you know, I feel like it's, it, look, this was all supposed to happen 20 years ago, and then it didn't. Mm-hmm. But I do feel like the kind of, the, you know, the, 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 the tanker is turning around a little bit, that it's, it is getting better, and... Uh, you know, I wish I were starting a directing career now, except I like writing better, so leave that. But, but wait, you know, wait, every time you say you don't want to do something. I know, I know, that's it. Yeah. Well, you're going to, you know, in five years, you're going to have me back on, and I'll be like, well, so I'm directing now. Right, exactly. <laughs> Cut to a year later. Yeah, I've just uh, been giving my big directing. Yeah. I'm directing product. Captain America 5. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, well, I have my shadow, you know, help me. Yeah, so, yeah. <laughs> Irene, thank you so much for being here. This is fun. Thank you. And it's about time. It really is. And no, now, thank you. You know, next time I see you guys at a party, you know, we can we can talk about our podcast days, and make everybody feel insecure. They won't point at you and whisper to each other. Why won't she have you on our podcast? I don't know. She'll well, think, it's just wow. so crazy because it would always be like at the end of a party, I'd see Irene, I'd become, you know, I'd I'd have had a couple and be like, Irene, I gotta get you on the podcast, and like like a year later. Irene, I gotta get you. Like, no, finally, I was like, oh my gosh. Drew posted this thing about the most hated woman in America. I'm like, I have to get her on my podcast. So I'm so glad we finally did. All these Thank drinks you. later. It's it, absolutely <laughs> needed all of them. So, and, um, and where, well, where should people go to see the work that you've done or what should they? do to see the most hated woman in America. Well, most hated woman in America will be uh, at festivals at some point in some time in the near future before it hits Netflix in 2017. So okay. just pay attention to Netflix announcements. Uh, and American crime, I believe is on iTunes. Billy's Hollywood screen kiss, since it was the film that broke uh, Sean Hayes and I didn't write it, but uh, 
um, I produced it and I'm really proud of it. Uh, it seems to be have the longest shelf life of anything and it's around. I, I, I don't know where it is, but I know it's out there somewhere. And, uh, I, you know, the girl, the girl's room, um, has, has had a small afterlife and, you know, you know, in, in, in the ether. And, uh, if you're a Slay Moon Friar, Will Wheaton fan, especially check it out. And she was Punky Brewster, right? Yes, she was. There you go. And which he, I'm sure she loves being called and, over and over and again. Will Wheaton was Wesley Stryker. Yes, and Will Wheaton has has post that film become like the biggest blogger of of nerddom, as he would put it, you know, himself, you know, in geek, you know. It, yeah, he's super, he's, he's, he's super hipster right yeah, now. Yeah, he's gotten you know it's he's just found this niche where he could express himself in a way that acting alone couldn't do. Yeah. I mean, he it's plays really him, happy he, for him. He plays himself on Big Bang Theory, so that's pretty good. Yeah, it is pretty yeah. good. Yeah, to uh, get to that point. What about do you have a website or Twitter? Are you at? I'm I'm on Twitter at uh, R E N I L A. So rainy LA, which is which was a long ago dating dating site handle, which sort of stuck. <laughs> I, it was the thing I could think of, and it was six characters. And I thought, well, this won't take up many. <laughs> Do you, and what about a website? I don't have a website right now. Do you tweet much? I tweet a little, right. but I retweet a lot. Awesome. That's good. Awesome. And Pat, how can people find you? Uh, I am on Twitter as myself, which is Pat underscore Francis. And I'm on Twitter with my podcast. That is at Rock Solid Show. And look, you can follow me on either of these and then mute me. I don't care if you're... I just want the follower numbers. Are you a- That's what I say. I go, follow me, and then immediately mute me. It's fine. You don't have to listen to my nonsense. I'm going to say nothing about that. Yeah. Um, but what was the last rock solid uh, show? What was the, the last theme of it? Oh, the one that's currently up. Oh, you're putting me. I, I can't even I can't remember. I can't remember what we just put up. I just put one up. Wow. I don't even know. My mind's mush. You, you from, go an old man on me. I know. My What's mind's happening? mush. I'm you here, do like, it. It's done. I know. It's yeah, over. That's how it, that's how you know, it is. I don't even walk out of the oh, room. Uh, um, I, I do know. It's, uh, it's uh, well, this, uh, this coming week, when this drops, it'll be a, it's a Kinks episode. We cover the Kinks, uh, the first decade, 60, 64 to 69. Awesome. Their first recorded decade. Who's your co-host on that? My co-host is my friend Mario, who is a massive uh, super fan of the Kinks. Awesome. Okay, everybody listen. Oh, are what you... What was that, Drew? Oh, what did you say, Drew? Drew? Was just... Yeah, the pie years, the Shell Talmy years. Ah, see, look, you have one person who's going to listen. There you go. Drew. That's not nice. No, two people, three uh, no, no. Actually, the the show is really, really. We're good. number fifty five in Canada. Yes, we just found out that among Pat all is podcasts, big in Canada. Wow. Yeah, that's like actually serious. That yeah. is totally serious, especially yeah. since we're all about to live there yeah. after November. Yeah. You don't know how she feels. <laughs> yes, you do. I know how. Oh, I yes, feel. yes, you do. <laughs> <laughs> okay, remember everybody to uh, go to onthepage.tv to check out the live classes here. Irene was was a student here. Look, you Success. know, there you go. Um, I'm going to take all the all the credit for that, Irene. There you T- go. Take it, take it. <laughs> um, but June 4th and June 5th is a two day rewrite weekend. It's a lot of fun. What we do is we go through different passes on your screenplay, um, a, a concept structure pass, a an activity pass, a character pass, a dialogue pass, a tone format pass. And the idea is to just look at your project from all these different points of view and figure out what it is that you need to make it better. You can come in to the class even if you don't have a completed first draft. It'll just make you a better writer, I promise. And uh, and there might be candy, just saying. 
Do you have a, you I've have stooped a, to that. Do you have a second edition of a book out oh, right now? I don't want to keep plugging the book. Yeah, everybody knows about the Coffee Break Screenwriter Second Edition. There you go. Yeah, why are you holding it up? I'm just. There are which no camera, cameras which here. Which camera is this? Is this me? <laughs> Sorry. Sometimes I tell Pat there are kind I just of cameras. Wanted, I wanted Drew to see. Um, and uh, so go there on the page.tv and thank you again to Irene for being here. It was lovely having you. You're welcome. Thank you. And to Drew for sitting in the cheap seats. Thank you, Drew. Woohoo. Thank you to Pat for producing. Hello. Thank you to everybody for listening and have a good writing week. <laughs>